should wank in a bush. Yeah? You think we should just wank in a in the same bush? I'm thinking so. To present a unified front. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I've I've been taking stock, Conrad, uh-huh. and and thinking of ways to take this podcast to the next level. Okay. First and foremost. I'm 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 here for it. Yeah. yeah. The most obvious way is to wank in a bush. Well, sure. Yeah. The second most obvious way is to wank into a bush. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A subtle difference, mm-hmm. but one that carries with it many implications. You see, in my opinion, wanking in a bush has an element of deception. Subterfuge. Maybe an element of a subterfuge. Stealth, if you will. Maybe an element mm-hmm, of shame. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But the bush becomes the locale. Whereas wanking into a bush, the bush becomes the target. You're more exposed. Right. Perhaps right. there's more of a, a, an exhibitionist element to wanking into a bush. The third most obvious way to grow any podcast is to wank into a bush while someone wanks in a bush. Okay. All right. All right. I'm. I'm. I'm seeing. I'm seeing where this is going. Right. Do you know what podcast we're recording? What? What? <laughs> what? Where's Jonathan? <laughs> Where's Laura? Where's well, anyone? Yeah. That that's the thing because the, the thing the horrifying realization that I had this morning when I woke up. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a minute. There's no there aren't any stories in the podquisition. Oh, that's right. Laura's not here this week. And it's not like when I take a week off to where it can just go completely unobserved." Laura's the linchpin here. <laughs> Laura makes podquisition what it is. It functional. Stephanie makes podquisition what it is when Laura's not here to make it what it is. <laughs> We're in trouble. It's 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 not good. It's a bad side leaving it's us here. It's not good. Oh, I'm flying without a bra. And I think we should wank into a bush. I think I think one of us, right? Would you like to be in the bush or outside of the bush wanking into it? Either way, we need to go to the forest, right? With our pantaloons around our ankles. We'll we'll get off the bus, right? Uh-huh. Pull our pantaloons down around our ankles and then waddle all the way into the forest. Just looking for a good bush. Maybe, you know, tugging at our little winkuses, like, here and there, just to keep it sort of semi so it's ready when we find the perfect bush. Right, right. Yeah, you don't want to rush too quickly into the first bush that you encounter. No, that's how Barbara got herself saddled. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about this, you know, because you, you, you asked me a pivotal question. Yeah. Do I want to be in the bush in or the outside, bush. The, outside bush? the bush? Yeah. And, like, this really just sort of get, cuts to the heart of me and you and, and our relationship as, as comedic artists, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we are. Yes. There's a part of me that wants to be outside the bush on some level yeah. but recognizes that you are the natural performer <laughs> and and you're going to pull it off so much better than I could anyway. <laughs> well, I have been complimented. <laughs> oh, and I I I consider myself as someone who likes to spend life outside the bush. <laughs> I 
And I'm the sort of person who's perfectly happy to take the position in the bush in service of the larger goal. Yeah, just have a furry fiddle in the shrubbery. Um, oh, I should have said foliage. Foliage. I missed, I missed a perfect alliterative streak. <sighs> uh, we'll be doing the alliterative streaking if we find a forest clearing. That's right. You know, do it in front of some grazing deer. You gotta have enough space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that is an anti-stealth move. And you don't you're not you're not running with the purpose of getting to the next hiding spot. You're running strictly for exposure. It, which oh, is what this whole premise is based on. Getting more exposure. Oh, sure. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I've just realized this plan's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. I can't come if a squirrel's looking at me. Oh. This is well known. Yeah, this is well, yeah. it's known about town that old Steph Sterling can't come with a squirrel looking at him. Uh, the parishioners whisper about it in the village. <laughs> they... <laughs> oh, did you hear that, Steph Sterling? Oh, I guess you can't come unless. Can't. Oh, shit. Let a Freudian <laughs> slip out. It is true that I can't come unless a squirrel is looking at me. My secret shame. <laughs> Laura. Oh, God, where is she? I'm where <laughs> Laura. <laughs> uh, Laura is away for the week doing Laura business. So we're without her vivaciousness this week um, or her organization. Or her ability to stay on task. Ability to stay on task, of course. Which is why I thought, you know. Wanking in a bush is it? It's it's and I did nothing to stop it. Nothing I mean, to stop it, it. The dynamics here. It's just we're missing a crucial third component. We are. How are you? How are you? How are you, Conrad? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a little injured. I think I don't think it's gonna affect me too much. I was grating cheese last night, um, and I managed to slice my thumb oh. pretty pretty good right on the joint, and so I've got sue this... the council. I should, right? You should. Except we don't have one here. Oh, no. Yeah, that quite worked the same way. Oh, yeah, Philadelphia purged their council, didn't they? That's right, yes, uh, violently. In the scouring of the anointed back in 76. I mean, on 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 the whole, I think it's worked out better for us. But, uh, you know, there's some shortcomings. Nobody to sue. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was worried that it might affect my ability to... to play some games because it's right on the joint Oof. and it crosses uh you know the length of it so like bending my thumb fully might open it back up and it's a bleeder oh uh, right oh you want to get them slender babies insured yeah yeah i really should that's the money maker i know it i know it your velvet fingers oh thank god i should have i should have actually gotten some sort of uh insurance at some point in my life for as fucked up as my wrists have become from a lifetime of gaming. Yeah. My wrists have been fucked up from a lifetime of gaming. Yeah, gaming. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Gaming in the bushes. Well, into them. <laughs> I'm very sorry to hear about your your thumb. Uh it, it'll be fine. It it's probably fine now. I just haven't bothered to look at the what's underneath the bandage. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I know there's blood under there. I can see that creeping around the edges. But... Yeah. Yeah. Counseling got back to me yet? No. No. How dare they? How dare they even? <sighs> oh, well. Oh, well, how's your foot? It's okay. It's still... I can still feel it if there's, like, a bit of pressure on it. Yeah. But I'm lucky that even though it was re really deep, um, it was uh, not very wide. Right. So, you know, it got glued back together and it's, uh, 
held up. Well, yeah, I've 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 heard that uh, girth is more important, oh, generally speaking, yeah. when it comes to these things. Yeah. So, yeah. Wouldn't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you played any video games this week, Steph? Have I played any video games? I mean, it's a a question. Uh huh. For sure. Uh, let's see. What have I played? I've played. Would you believe it? I've been playing Elden Ring. I would believe that you've been playing Elden Ring. Yes. Would you believe it? Been playing it a lot mm-hmm. over at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling, a channel that sometimes raids over to Twitch TV slash that Conrad Zimmerman. That's true. And sometimes when that happens, I have just gone to urinate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was last night. You were away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, last night I had just popped up to urinate. I come back and it's like there's a raid there's like, oh Yeah. Well. Raid in and Michael J. Fox is having a chat for your ad break. That's right. It's talking about uh drug abuse, I believe. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Pro or con? Um well I think con. Okay. But I you know, with a wink and a nod. You know? Yeah. You know, yeah. like like I know I know what I'm saying is that drugs aren't cool, but I also portray a neocon Republican teenager on television, <laughs> so you do the math. Yeah. Oh dear. Um but yes, Elden Ring. It is un- it's absurd, Conrad. Yeah. I'm over a hundred hours in. Oh my god. And I've just unlocked a new bit of the map. I got to what looked was being set up as the final boss. And then it was like, oh, wait, no, here's a curveball. Would you like 30 more hours? Okay. Here you go. Suck it down. Yeah. So they, they symphony the other night, did you? Yeah. Yeah. From what I can tell. Um, I mean, to be honest, n- knowing, having been so used to the density of this game by now, I didn't feel like I was at the end, even though it was set up to look like the end. Sure. I was like, this is prelude. This is prelude to yet more video game. Last night I was having choice paralysis and ADHD-led anxiety because I reached the capital city and realised that that on its own had taken me two days. Oh my god. Just one city because it had multiple sprawling pathways, including an optional dungeon hidden in a well that leads to a secret area that leads to a secret area. Conrad. A double secret area. Double secrets. It's unbelievable. Uh, but after 100 hours of gameplay, I did finally Google what a Tarnished is. Oh? I did decide to just Google what my character is. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I understand less. <laughs> See, that's that's my thing. <laughs> like, in order to even have the most base understanding of what I'm doing, I, I have to reference a wiki. And that's just... It's fine. That's true of gameplay as well as lore. It's... Yeah. Like, I'm trying to do some side quests, and it's... Meet this character and talk to this character, then go to this character and talk to this character. Right, now stop what you're doing, go find another NPC, and progress their questline to a certain point, then come back to this questline. It's so sprawling. And I, I'm glad people love that, and I, I'm certainly not necessarily above it. You know, a game I play every week has its true ending predicated by uh, performing a series of arcane steps that, you know, a couple people figured out and the rest all looked on a wiki for. I get it. But I don't feel when I'm playing that, that without that knowledge, I'm somehow, like, 
missing out on most of the experience. Yeah, it's wild. I I look up the wiki for some help on some things because there's some content I don't want to miss. Yeah, and it just leads me to being paralyzed by anxiety because I'm like that. I've lost. I've lost track. Yeah, I can. S- I I'm being told all of the information and it's made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. The game is this game is my dream and my nightmare, Conrad. It's it's unbelievable. I and I am in genuine well when I say it's unbelievable, I am in genuine disbelief at how densely packed this game is. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at so many other open worlds that boast, you know, hundreds of thousands of square sure. foot and it's just copy pasted bandit camps. Mm-hmm. And here it's like, oh, I went into an optional sewer and fought a bus in a cathedral and then I rolled into a wall and it made the wall lower so that there was a whole platforming section that bit fucking sucked and then when i reached the bottom of that the floor fell through and now i think i've unlocked the potential to get another ending i think in the seek in the second secret part of the optional area hidden down a well my god i i have been do- dealing a lot with the loathsome dung eater though yeah Oh, he's a rotter. Is he? Oh, always oh, a bastard. Really good. Really, really compelling character in terms of just, wow, you really are just the grossest. <laughs> <laughs> you really are scum. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just wild. Um, I am a little over some of the obfuscation, some of the just the way in which you can miss so much like story content. Sure. It wasn't so bad in the other games because there was some somewhat of a more linear progression. You could still like irrevocably mess up quest lines and stuff, but they they were e- a bit easier to follow and harder to miss. But here, like even with markers now added to the map in a patch that show you where NPCs are, they don't always, and they're all the same logo, all the same NPC marker, and 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 it's just so easy to miss. There's an entire underground. Conrad. Oh my god. You click the right stick and there's just the same map, but here's the subterranean version. <laughs> I'm in... <laughs> Why does heaven feel so much like hell? <laughs> this game is... I mean, it's a, it's a masterpiece. Wow. Don't get me wrong. The variety of of weapons and skills and, and enemies, and even though like I'm at the point now where I'm seeing quite a few repeated bosses and stuff yeah it's still so thoroughly packed in that i ain't too mad about that and the bosses that matter you know are their own unique experience right i'm just fucking hell i am stunned by it i'm so glad that it continues even this far along to be you know Something that you're able to put this much time into and still feel like it's giving you more. Yes. Um, It is thoroughly impressive to see. Because normally, you know, even a big game comes out and we talk about it for two weeks, three weeks. Uh, We're now, what, six weeks in? Something like that? Something wild. And I have, you know, deliberately not talked about it much. Like, we talked about it the first week, maybe a bit the second, then I just sort of left it on the back burner while we talked about other games. But I have been playing it this whole time. And I've been... I I find it just so easy to stream, Mm -hmm. which is weird, because I never used to stream from games, because I just didn't want to put up with it. I didn't want to deal with the community side, like, facing side of that shit. Sure. But Elden Ring, it's just easy to just put it on and get into hilarious scrapes. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, it's it's 
genuinely just a stunning piece of software. Yeah, I couldn't play a FromSoft game on a stream simply because I know how they make me feel inside. Yeah. And so if I were, I, I just, it's a, a level of frustration and anger that I had have in myself that I wouldn't want, like, on stream. Because it's just not the right vibe for me. Part of the reason I enjoy playing it more on stream is I've got, because I've, you know, I've had emotional regulation issues since childhood. Sure. I am on special pills for them. And I've I've gotten so good at masking that over the years, which isn't healthy, but I don't act out in front of people because I don't want people to see me like lose my rag. Right. So I actually get to play Elden Ring <laughs> without... Without wow. breaking controllers and shit, because I keep that shit, like, on lock when I'm on. So, but, you know, I just the performative element of it anyway makes even failures that would piss me off otherwise, like, more, just more amusing right. than if I was on my own. Plus, Pat Pays, one of the regular viewers, um, tagged in to help me with the worst dungeon full of insta-kills and horrible bosses. Aww. So that was nice. Yeah. And Redneck Tonbury from um, Talking to Women About Video Games. I helped them with a boss once. It's been really good streaming it. So yeah, Elden Ring, pretty consistently. It's It's really fucking good. Yay! I'm so glad. Yeah. And... What about you? So I, I know we've played the same game as well this week, but what else have you been playing? Um, did we did we both play Weird West? Did that happen? We have both played. I've not played very much at all, but I have dabbled in Weird West. So why don't you tell us? I put a few hours into it on the stream yesterday. At uh, Twitch TV slash that Conrad Zimmerman. That's, that's the one. Great channel. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very, very interesting. So I'm a big big fan of weird west as a, a genre yeah i played the tabletop rpg version once uh deadlands 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 i couldn't remember if it was actually called weird west or not well it's uh, the official title of it is deadlands the weird west role-playing game ah that's where i got confused yeah i wasn't sure if this was licensed or anything well and that's what i'm kind of i'm actually kind of wondering about that too because as far as i was aware and i hadn't I didn't dig far enough into this to, to look, but as far as I was aware, Weird West was a trademark for the purpose of games owned by the publisher of Deadlands, uh, which at the time of original publication was Pinnacle Entertainment Group. They may have changed their name since then or had some transition but uh so yeah i was kind of wondering about that and never looked into it and will remain forever one of those odd curiosities in the back of my mind yeah but this does not resemble deadlands too much deadlands is a very sort of exaggerated um sort of uh pulp novely approach to things yeah if i recall correctly when i played it i was a mad scientist that shot bees yeah and it's it's campy um, a lot of the, the, you know, stuff in it is drawn from folklore and other things. But then you have stuff that's like, um, uh, barbed wire that's alive. That's just a thing. Yeah. That, that's a thing that they came up with. That's kind of, all right, that's kind of tumbleweeds. They're tumbleweeds, but they have mouths in the center. Oh. And, uh, yeah, 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 it is kind of cute in a weird eldritch way yeah so this it takes a more serious tone in this and the story revolves around you are a a woman 
who had been a bounty hunter, and then one night, seemingly in a dream, you are branded by a bunch of cultists and wake up to find that your child is dead and your husband's been kidnapped by cannibals. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fast. Like, it doesn't waste any time with that. It's just like... No, it really doesn't. Yeah, you don't meet your husband or your child. It doesn't try to, like, make you attached to them. Just like, what's up, loser? Your kid's dead. (laughs) And this sort of... So this quest to find your husband uh, is sort of the impetus to begin exploring this Wild West-themed world. And it's very... OG Fallout in its approach. Yeah, I think that is why I personally am not getting along with it so much. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't respect OG Fallout. Sure. But it is its own special brand of tedium. Yeah. Yeah, It's there's a slowness to it and a certain methodicalness of it in its gameplay that doesn't quite gel with me. Yeah, so, it, well, and the Fallout comparisons that I would broadly make are its approach to uh, quest structure um, and uh, world travel. Yes, yeah. Those are are the most directly inspired elements. And so quests have um, a limited amount of time in which they can be completed. And it seems fairly generous. You get at least a couple days on stuff, right? At a minimum. Usually they seem to be like 10 days or 20 days in some cases, and it can only take like two days to actually travel that distance yeah but they they do have that element and the map has sort of things that you will environments that you will discover along the way just in passing on your way to to a new location that you could go and visit and check out and there might be something going on in there and then you'll have random encounters some of which you can choose to avoid and others it's going to force you into um, and like in Fallout, these can just be combat encounters and you can flee from them and exit the area and not, you know, have to do the fight. Now, where it differs is in the combat, which is much more, it's, it's action oriented. You can freely move with the left stick. Um, the right stick is used for pointing and aiming. You draw a weapon with the left trigger and then fire with the right you unlock abilities uh, for your weapons over time that can give them special effects. Weapons fall into certain types and they can be upgraded over time with resources that you find. It is methodical. It's methodical and I found like the, just at least with, like I'm playing on uh, console and with the c- controller, just the aiming's just a little off. No, we're not off. It's it's a little sluggish and and finicky. Yeah, um, it can be both uh, not fast enough when you need it to spin around, and too fast when you need precision. Yeah, it is a little fiddly. And it t- I didn't hate it. I was a little bit concerned that I would because I had heard this complaint from other people who had played it, and you know, and, and I'd heard that mouse aiming because I'm playing on PC uh, might have to be the way to go. I haven't found it to be that bad. Um, It took some adjustment, but I've kind of gotten used to it. And outside of brief spurts of combat, I tend to play these sorts of things more as stealth games because it really lends itself to stealth stealth infiltration and, you know, enemy elimination, working down the number of enemies that you might have to encounter in combat later um, works really well. And I like that kind of gameplay. So it's it's working for me. 
But uh, yeah, going in guns blazing is likely to get you pretty fucked up pretty quickly because it yeah. is hard to have that reaction time necessary. And the stealth works quite nicely. It does. The stealth does work nicely and, you know, it gives you lots of tools. Like makes me think of Divinity. Like, I played some Divinity 2 a bit and sort of the idea of, like, making parts of the environment wet to affect how combat works. Um... Uh, shooting out lamps to spread fires and stuff like that, like using the environment in the combat. Uh, they handle that quite well from what I've seen. Yeah, they do. There are uh, different types of barrels that contain different, you know, liquids. You've got oil barrels that, and you can kick them and they'll release their contents or cause them to break in some other fashion. Uh, there are poison ones, and it sets up scenarios where you can utilize these environmental objects to avoid direct confrontations in a lot of cases. They work pretty well. Overall, I'm pretty happy with how the environment layouts have been. Uh, and again, I'm still really, really early on in it. Um, I think I've done two or three of the main quest line areas and and have just sort of been fiddling around with some side quest stuff and opening up the world. But I, I like it. I like the old Fallout approach to things. I, I like games that enforce time limits and make me make decisions. This isn't necessarily forcing me to make a lot of decisions just yet, but that potential is there, and I'm curious to see if they exercise that a little bit more. Um, but on the whole, oh, and and... and the setting stuff again. It, it's a little more self-serious than I might. A little, a little, little darker than I might like it to be. Uh, one of the things about Weird West settings is that you get a little bit of room for camp and silliness in there if you want it. And I haven't seen anything but dour in in Weird West up to this point, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, but you know, it's still very fun. And I'm interested to see where it goes. They're doing an effective job thus far of teasing out whether or not I'm going to find my husband dead when I finally do get to them. And my wedding band is taking up an inventory slot. I could have sold this a while ago, but I'm hanging on to it just in case the dude's still alive. <laughs> Which seems odd to think about, because from a practical consideration... I could probably just take the six bucks and use it, right? Yeah. But for some reason, I've compelled to and and free an inventory slot because inventory becomes an issue pretty fast. There's a lot of junk you can collect, like in Fallout, and you will wind up spending time going to a place just to sell it off. I could carry another $8 item if I just sold this fucking $6 ring that I'll never get a duplicate of for stacking. But he might still be alive. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, that's that's Weird West. I like it. It's fun. Um, it's not brilliant, but one of the things about Fallout that makes it hard for me to return to, despite how much I love it, is the turn-based combat system, which I don't love. I've never loved. Yeah. And this is much more what I'm interested in doing with a lot of the other trappings that I like from Fallout's design. So yeah. I would check out Weird West if you have Game Pass. Yeah? Yeah. It's definitely worth checking out if you've got Game Pass. Like, that. that's true of most games sure. <laughs> that are on it. But this one is worth the time investment just to see if you like it. I don't hate it. I, I can tell it's a good game. Yeah. 
It's just a little outside, I think, of, of what I'm into. Yeah. Well, have you played anything else? Well, Conrad, uh, if you were to take my hand... Are we going already to the corner? I think I will take you, yes, on a trip to Stephanie's Vita Corner. That, that that was uh that was almost drum like. I yeah, I dented the side of an energy drink can and <laughs> was hit with a fine spray, a fine misting. <laughs> like it's mostly empty, but there was I guess there was just enough moisture collected on the the rim that I got I got lightly misted. Anyway, anyway, yes, I've got two games today to talk about on Stephanie's Vita Corner. Um, yeah, uh, the first game is Oshika Tainted Bloodlines. This is a Japanese role-playing game. Uh, it's a sequel to a, a 1999 PlayStation game, okay. uh, which I've not played. But it's one of those games where, like, story-wise, you're not missing anything. It's, you know, totally removed from it. Right. Um, so this is a Japanese RPG about a, a family, like a, like a, a, a whole, like, faction of people in sort of um, medieval Japan kind of stuff that were like killed off, and the god, this god was like, "Look, I can bring you back to life, and you can all get revenge if you want, but you can only live for two years, and your kids can only live for two years," which is interesting as a gameplay um, mechanic because you play as basically an entire family mm-hmm. generationally. Then there's a moving calendar. Like, if you go into a dungeon, time will move in real time. Okay. And, but, you know, obviously sped up, but it will, like, cycle through months. And everything's broken up into months. So you can go into the labyrinth and you'll get a set amount of time before the month is up. And then you can choose to stay in there if you want or go back home. And from there's a home base where you can, like, invest in the town to, uh, you know, uh, upgrade shops and get better stuff there. And and basically the, the general conceit is you go into a labyrinth to kill demons and rack up devotion points, which you can then use to have sex with gods. That's basically what it is. That's basically what it is. Okay. Is you you can mate any one of your player characters once they reach maturity, and I'll get to that in a sec. <laughs> um you can mate any one of your player characters with any number of gods. There's loads of gods and they've all got different stats. And there's a bit of a questionable element about that when the game repeatedly tells you to, well, you know, you can mate them to uh, uh, make up for some of your shortcomings genetically. And I'm like, but anyway, it's weird as fuck is this game. And it only gets weirder when you realize these characters live for two years I mean, they all come out as adults, but it's still weird when it's like, yeah. this character is 14 months old. Right? They're mature enough to have a baby. And I'm like, oh dear. Oh no. Game, please stop telling me that my 14-month-old daughter can have a kid. Please stop. It's weird. <sighs> yeah, that is very odd. There's no sex. Sure, sure. But you, you'll have a god, and you'll have one of your characters, and they'll like... Like, just look at each other, sort of romantically. Some of the gods, by the way, are like werewolves or frogs and shit. While some girl dances in the background doing doing a, 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 a like a, a traditional dance. And then they'll, there'll be some flashy effects. And then there'll just be a little silhouette of a baby in a womb just going, <laughs> oh, ah, oh, ah. it's so fucking weird. 
um the actual rpg stuff is good though like it's a it's a solid rpg I'm, i've only played the demo it's one of them ones where you get a big chunk of gameplay and then can buy it and it'll save you yeah you know keep your progress mm-hmm. so i've not actually hit a point where i feel the need to buy it and carry my progress on i think i may do because i'm sort of into it uh, as a game um the dungeon crawling is decent the art style's cool it's like um sort of traditional japanese artwork so all the demons and stuff are kind of rendered in a really cool fashion. Combat is really quick. That's one thing I like about it is you can systematically like you'll you'll be attacked by anywhere like up to six enemies. Uh, it's turn based, um, but really quick, uh, really swift. Try it likes to take a lot of thoughts out of you, which I don't mind um, because while you can give commands to every character in your party, they'll always present you three suggestions. And it's representative of the character themselves suggesting things. Okay. And if you go with one of their suggestions, like their loyalty will go up. So it's like listening to them will, you know, positively impact the game. It's rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it can take some of the thought out of it and, and you can have everyone sort of do the same attack and it'll mean they'll hold their turn until everyone's ready to do it. And then they can all do the, the same attack and it'll, you know, greatly increases the damage. You can systematically like take out all of the enemies, or you can just get the leader, and then the fight's over, uh, which I really like. Um, same's true of you. If the lead member of your party's dead, then the the whole fight's done. But I really appreciate that. And there's there's some incentives for killing everyone, uh, but there's also incentives for just getting it done quick. Uh, so I like that. Uh, attack animations are really swift. Turn or like. Turns taken really quick. That's what I really like about Oshika uh, is just how swiftly you get through everything. Because so many of these, you know, games can be ponderous. Yeah. Um, but this one really just it likes to get you in, and it's got a, a really weird, silly sense of humor. And for something that's like really grim in terms of storyline, with just these like short lifespans and an entire family wiped out, um, it's an incredibly silly game with lots of. Lots of stuff for the furries to enjoy. Um, big up the furries. Always like to see that. So yeah, it's it's good. It's it's really quite good. Uh, so good little RPG on the Vita. The other game was uh, the Resistance, the PS Vita version of uh, Take on the Resistance series. Mm-hmm. I forget what the actual the full title. Hang on, Burning Skies. Burning Skies. Uh, yeah, this was. I I can't remember if it was a launch title, but it was. Very early, it predated the Killzone game, which the Killzone um, as an FPS on the Vita is pretty impressive. It's pretty good. Resistance Burning Skies, not so much. It's not terrible, but it's very threadbare. Visually, not that impressive compared to other Vita games. And it's one of them games that is doing what it can to push the touchscreen bullshit yeah Uh, and it it doesn't quite work and it's one of them games where it's like if i could just press a button be so much easier yeah you know i don't just give me a button to drop a shield don't make me get take my thumbs off the controls that i was using to play the game and swipe like left and right at the same time with my thumbs to like drop a shield like i don't need that shit i don't need to tap on enemies in the middle like all my fingers are being like used Mm -hmm. because it's an fps right i don't want to take my hands off the controls to poke an enemy on screen to lock onto them and stuff um so that's annoying 
it's fine. It's not a terrible game. It's it's really not awful. It's a decent enough first-person shooter that is just hamstrung by its need to demonstrate tech that by that time even was already demonstrated. We all knew what touchscreens were in 2012. We'd all had phones long enough. God, it's weird that I just called them phones. We'd all had phones long enough. Yeah. Phones predate like modern cell phones with touchscreens. They do, but we just think of that's what it is now. That's the phone. Yeah. Like, when's the last time you used a touchtone telephone? I can't remember the... I I think we had one when... In the first ever house I lived in, in 1986. <laughs> Probably as far back as I could remember would be, like, 86, 87, when I was, like, three. And I think that's the last time I ever saw a, a, a touchtone, like, at one of the dial-ups. I... I don't think... I'm trying to remember if I ever, in an apartment that I rented, had a dedicated landline connection. Mm. And I don't think I, I don't think I did. There was always one in the house growing up. My parents maintained a landline connection uh, until probably 2010, uh, maybe a little bit later than that. But I don't know that I've ever had one in my home. That's wild. Yeah. Huh. Hang on. Well, my opinion of Resistance Burning Skies <laughs> has changed a little. Oh, okay. What happened? Uh, I'm looking at the wiki page, and I'm quoted on it. Oh, no. Having said it, Destructoid said the game settled on being the new worst Vita game to date. <laughs> Back then, I was a lot more pissed off at touchscreen stuff. Yeah. Looking back, the game is fine. It's not dreadful. But I wouldn't recommend it. But I remember actually sort of... I remember playing it back in the day. Yeah. And I remember being way more angry than I am these days about touchscreen, like being forced in. Uh, I hate... I've never liked that shit. I've done multiple videos over the years about sort of forcing motion controls and touchscreen controls into things. I won't say it's the worst Vita game. It is fine. You know, <laughs> maybe I've mellowed over the years and I've played a lot worse since 2012. I've played a lot worse. That's true. So, yeah, it's... It's fine. I, I probably wouldn't give it a 2 out of 10 these days. <laughs> Um, but I wouldn't recommend it. Like, Killzone is just... Like, Killzone Mercenary is infinitely better. And that's it, really. I think that's all I've really played as well um, That I that's worth talking about. So I bid you adieu from Stephanie's Vita Corner. Well, I, I do it have... It is a nice little drum, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, yes, you've got more. I've got more. I've got a couple of other things that I feel like I should bring up. Hell yeah. I recently picked up on sale on Steam uh, Despotism 3K. This is a resource management sim. You are an AI in some distant future, and you have recently acquired your own collection of humans from which you intend to become a global dominating tyrant. Oh. You have a power need every day 
every day cycle in the game, you have a certain amount of power that you need to power your infrastructure. So you use humans to generate power by running on a wheel, okay? But because they are humans, they have needs too, like eating. So then you also need to be producing food for them also. And so there's a separate machine that you can move humans to to put into food production, and they will produce more food while working on that structure. But now we're going to have a problem. It's like, with the escalating needs of the power, we're going to need more humans, so there's also going to need to be a breeding chamber for the humans so they can produce more humans. Right. And so you have to put those humans in two at a time so that they can produce more humans for you to put into the other places. Now, there's a, a, another place uh, where you could just take excess humans, toss them in there, and they provide food and power, but destroys the human. And so balancing these things and expanding their function is basically the game. It's presented in a strangely cute, strangely horrifying visual aesthetic. It's uh, low-res pixels. The characters are little more than stick figures, but they're cute stick figures. Yeah. And they're very well animated. Uh, in the breeding chamber, you see them cycle through a, di a series of different positions. <laughs> it's pretty explicit. Uh, and they are censored while in there. So they, it blurs the images. Uh, you can further add a sensor bar over that, which I did when I streamed the game uh, the other night um, at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. It's fast-paced-ish. Uh, it certainly has a good pressure build. It's not a very complex resource management game. The, you know, yeah. It's pretty basic at its core, but there is a certain amount of pressure there. It is easy to make a mistake or overestimate how quickly you might generate power that you're taking away to fund some other thing. Uh, and run out of time, and there are random events um, through every uh, day cycle of the game that can hinder the production of certain things or increase their function. It's a lot of referential humor in these things. Almost every single one is some pop culture artifact that they're making part of this world. Um, the DeLorean shows up at one point. Um, Spider Jerusalem shows up. <laughs> like it, it's it, it is there's there's a range. It's not just super, you know, everybody's going to know this. Uh Deckard from or no, no, a replicant shows up, not Deckard. Right. But a replicant shows up at one point. Oh sure. A replicant, not Deckard wink. Right. Right. Yes. Deckard's not a replicant. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh it it's a cheap little game if you like a resource manager uh it it's it's a fun way to pass a little bit of time it is challenging um i have seen it's interesting there are reviews from people on steam who are like ah this is too basic and easy and that uh, as many people are like oh god this is just too hard like it's otherwise neat but it's too difficult yeah um, your mileage is going to vary on that. It's not super complicated. Uh, I think the random events thing is really has more of an impact on survivability. And I can't tell 
how much randomness exists within the events themselves, or if there is always a best choice to be made in them, if you simply experiencing, if you simply experience all of them enough times, you know, you'll just divine the right path and eventually get through. I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, but I do think it's pretty fun and kind of charming in a weird way. The other game uh, that I played is... Uh, I. I, I Steph, I don't know if I've mentioned this lately. Uh, it is very, very easy to modify a 3DS handheld. Is it? It, it really is. I've been thinking of picking up a, a, a spare 3DS. Yeah. Because I don't want to fuck with um, the, the, the Majora's Mask one, I forgot. Right. But I'm thinking of picking up another one because I've heard... Stop me if, if I'm wrong. I've heard it's particularly easy to modify a 3ds it is ridiculously easy to modify a huh. 3ds and that's good because the 3ds eShop is going to go away next year that is true nintendo's basically given us all permission practically given us permission i've actually also been thinking about getting a, a spare 3ds because um my partner linda has a 3ds xl and I have, like, an original launch 3DS. Ooh. And the difference between the screens yeah. is so remarkable. And I'm, I'm just looking at it with envy as we're laying in bed playing DSs. So I might get... But then I went and looked uh what the pricing is for them. Mm -hmm. And, like, on Amazon, they're, like, going for three, four hundred bucks. Really? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, you can get a much better rate elsewhere. Uh, I found some other places. You know, eBay's got better prices than that. But I was kind of shocked at how expensive 3DS hardware is right now. Everything is getting this one. Yeah. Like... You know, we I think we talked before on the podcast about how it, it wasn't all that long ago that an old games console was had no value. Yeah. You could pick them up for peanuts, but these days everything has been commodified, everything's become collectible, and it's just made everything so much more expensive. It it, it really, really has. Um but anyway. Yeah. On to the topic of what I actually played on my three DS this week. I I played a little bit of Chibi Robo Ziplash. Did you play this i've never played a chibi robo game actually see i love the chibi robo series love it it's so delightfully charming and full of heart and goofy i i just love it the original uh chibi robo game is one of my favorites from the gamecube it's just wonderful and i think i missed the cool after that I know I have played another Chibi Robo game at some point, but I can't I can't recall specifically which one it was. And there's one that never made it to the US that sounds fucking awesome. Um but Ziplash is one of two Chibi Robo games that found their way to the uh the 3DS and I think might be the last one and I can kind of see why every game in the series is a bit different, right? And in the original, you're in a 3D environment cleaning a house and doing odd jobs and tasks. In this, you're in 2D platforming stages. You know, and it's something definitely more conducive to playing on a handheld. Um, that's fine. The core mechanic at play is really clever, I think. Uh, Chibi-Robo has a power cord that trails behind him. 
and can be used as a um a whip or a lasso and the whip is a short range you know tap the other one needs to be charged but goes much further and will bounce off of walls until it reaches its terminus or f- hits something that it can stick to yeah and then one stuck to it's retracted and pulls chibi robo up to wherever it got stuck and so it's used for platforming and moving around uh the charge one can be used to destroy certain kinds of blocks and it's it's just neat levels are structured to where as you move through them the goal is really to expand the length of your wire as far as you can in order to get access to the most stuff and find all the little hidden collectibles and visit every stage in a world and that's where we get to the problem with chibi robo is that it has a kind of annoying stage select system when you finish a stage, you're presented with three UFOs to hit, and they are at greater distance and range. Mm-hmm. So you'll need to have collected enough to get your cord far enough to hit the gold one if you want to hit the gold one. They also start to disappear over time, so you have a limited amount of time to get that gold one, and then the silver one, and then the big bronze one at the bottom. The reward for hitting these corresponds to the number of times you get to spin a wheel on the next screen, and the wheel determines how many spaces around a circular board that you can go to determine what stage you go to next. So this sucks for a couple of reasons. One, now you're going to reach a point where you're replaying levels that you don't want to or need to to advance to the next world because you didn't spin correctly. Or, now you can't get to the specific world that you want to go to, or level that you want to go to, because you're missing collectibles on a replay, and you're dancing around the board trying to get to it. Now, the wheel isn't that hard to hit correctly, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just tap on the one ahead of whatever it is that you wanted to get, you'll get it. Fine. But the fact that this exists at all is infuriatingly dumb. Like, it's just a bad thing to put into this game. God, really frustrating. Because the, the, you know, it's, otherwise it's a serviceable platformer with some neat ideas. It's not, uh, very combat heavy from at least the early stages that I'm in. Um, you do have health that decreases over time and, uh, gets reduced significantly when you are hit by enemies. Uh, but you get a fair number of opportunities to recharge that. Killing enemies is often rewarded with more energy, um, as well as other collectible rewards that correspond to cash to buy upgrades later. It's not an overly complicated platformer, but not a bad way to pass a little bit of time. But the problem is is that if if you then decide you're having fun and invest in it, now you got to deal with this other shit that's just that doesn't feel like it belongs there. It's really, really a bummer. Mm-hmm. But I'll probably play the other Chibi Robo game, which is like about photos. Mm-hmm. It's like taking photos of real world objects with the 3DS camera. I'm very curious. Yeah. 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 But anyway, that's 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 what I've played. Should we move on to some some news? I tell you what, I think we could do that. All right. All right. 
Why don't we start where we we often start, uh, which is with uh, sad stories of industry neglect and abuse. Oh. Um, You know. The usual. Get this out of the way. The usual. So Kotaku has a big feature on uh, Undead Labs, the studio behind State of Decay uh, that Microsoft acquired Mm -hmm. and is currently developing State of Decay 3. It's a pretty lengthy read. The long and short of it is that there's uh, some managerial shifting owing to the founder of the company taking a less active role in in the company and uh, the, the, the sale to Microsoft, the installation of some other people at the top of the organization, including a human resources manager who has uh, seem, has been accused of not fully following through on employee complaints, uh, casual sexism, and uh, creating a, a environment that is not friendly to women. These are, are the, the common these are the through line complaints we see at a lot of companies. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's disgusting and horrible to say, oh, well, yeah, this is just a yet another on the pile um, and, and in some way diminish that. And so I don't want to do that. But one of the reasons that this is particularly of note is that this is a Microsoft acquired studio. Yeah. And this is coming out at a time when Microsoft is currently going through the process of acquiring Activision Blizzard. And there's been a lot of talk about. Microsoft rehabbing the culture at Activision Blizzard Studios. Which, let's face it, was always nonsense. Dubious at best. You can't rehab a culture that fucked up in an industry that is inherently culturally rotten. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, you're right. The timing of this is, is like, it, it does demonstrate, like, the, the, should we say, naivety in expecting a company like Microsoft to actually change anything meaningfully. And this is, it, it's, it's interesting because this comes at two, this comes at an interesting tension point that exists between studios and their parent companies in this respect and the, and, and an acquisition of a company because by and large, what Microsoft appears to have done in relationship to undead labs and its studio culture and structure and the way it does its business is to leave it alone to do that. And in many ways, that's the behavior that we do want often when there's an acquisition, right? Yeah. Because the team has been doing their job successfully already. One of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it things in theory. In theory. But that doesn't necessarily account for all aspects of the business. And there are going to be things that you will want a parent company, especially if you are a worker in a position where you have management above you that is making your work life difficult. Yeah. But the main problem we have here is expecting a profit-driven corporation to give a shit about changing the culture for any other reason than profit is naive. It is. When they're looking at things that are broken need fixing, if they're a profit-driven corporation, they only care about the profit. And if that comes at a human cost, they're fine with it. Yeah. We've seen this time and time again in this industry. 
So I, I would encourage people to go read Kotaku's article on this. It is, there's a lot of, of information here. Um, it, it is interesting. It's, it's a well-written piece, but the long and short of it is I would not expect Microsoft to be a savior to anybody. No. Like, I've been arguing this from the beginning. Yeah. Like, loads of people saying, oh, well, Microsoft could fix it and all of this. And I'm like, if anything, Microsoft will just provide cover to the people at Activision Blizzard who hurt people. Everyone will look at it and assume that Microsoft will fix things and then move on. And we're already seeing that. Yeah. yeah. So we got some uh, NFT news. Yeah, NFTs have been real quiet lately because, like, the the last story I saw before this stuff was, like, they're on, they, they've plummeted in popularity mm -hmm. because most of us are not adopting them yeah people are either indifferent or actively hateful of them it didn't stop the uk government recently <laughs> the royal mint bringing out an nft D this country can't sink any lower conrad <laughs> <laughs> it was bad when i left but i've come back and it's a disaster but anyway yeah <laughs> anyway nfts <laughs> yeah so <laughs> Well, it, I'm sure you've you've seen the Google Trends graph that was going around showing that it, it, interest in NFTs through Google searches has is cratered since January 28th, like just plummeted, and now we're we're starting to see I don't know about backing away in some quarters. Certainly, Ubisoft doesn't seem to be backing uh, away from their professed no. intent to do NFTs. What I like is I think we can tell which video game company's executives invested in this shit and are trying to pass the con on. Yeah. Because for this point to be as devoted to NFTs as uh, Square Enix, Konami, and Ubisoft have been, I'm like, yeah, some of the some of the corporate leadership here thought they'd get in on the grift. And now they're trying to find their marks. I would love if people who were actual journalists and not me, <laughs> you know, with, with uh, access and resources, maybe a, 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 a Jason or, um, you know, somebody of that, you know, with that kind of a name. Uh, boy, somebody with resources could really dig into finding out who's got stake in this kind of shit. You know a bunch of them do. Oh, I'm sure. You know a bunch of them do. Yeah. Like, it's obvious. Like, that's why NFTs are a thing, is because people, like, the investor and executive classes were trying to dupe us so that they could reap the rewards of having invested in crypto. And these are tech investors at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? So they're going to buy into other tech investments. Some of them have skin in this game, for sure. I have no doubt yeah. of that. And honestly, I think, you know, given what game companies have managed to convince gamers to spend money on over the years, they probably figured the gaming audience for a bunch of easy marks. They probably thought this would be way easier than it's been. Consider all of the evidence that they have had to the contrary up to this point. Well, yes. You know, we, we as an audience have fallen for a lot of shit. Absolutely. And I, I'm delighted to think that they clearly thought it would be easier than it's been. That they thought NFTs would be just as easy as all the other shit they've tried to pull. So, you know how all in Ubisoft was on their Quartz NFT platform and uh, 
Tom Clancy's Breakpoint being the first game. Yeah. Ubisoft has stuck by NFTs longer and harder and more diligently than it's ever stuck by one single member of its staff. Well, outside of the executive class. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Outside yeah. of Yves Guimau's fucking pervy friends. One would say they have demonstrated an unreasonable amount of loyalty to some members of their staff. To a very select class of staff, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, so yes, they're all in on NFTs. They really want to, they're still trying to convince us that they're not deeply unpopular. Right, and they have halted active development on Ghost Recon Breakpoint. my initial reaction yes uh they released a statement saying that they were going to cease development on the game (laughs) and uh did not oddly really uh mention what they would be doing with nfts going forward or, or what these nfts would be uh useful for uh here's a quote you own a piece of the game and have left your mark in its history. Its history. <laughs> you know, they could have truncated that whole statement to simply Ghost Recon Breakpoint. It's history. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You own a piece of a dead, dead game. This is, uh, yeah, and this was a, a pretty unmitigated failure, I think, for them to produce sales of this yeah from what i remember the when the figures came out about how well their quartz their nft quartz shit had done like it was embarrassing it was like 2500 of these digits um were sold and that's the other thing they call them digits so as to not brand wise associate themselves with nfts yeah which have a you know a shit reputation. And it's interesting because there's an interview with a Ubisoft executive where they say they'd actually consider just not disclosing that these were NFTs <laughs> and just presenting it as his own thing. But they thought, nah, the gamers will see right through that. Which, okay, you know what? For the first time ever, I think, <laughs> these executives have accurately estimated the intelligence of their audience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, they were mistaken in thinking that we wouldn't still let them get away with it on some level. I mean, considering what the community has let them get away with, right? I'm sure right? But they really did think this would be a walk in the park. And and it and it hasn't been, and I'm glad to see it. They uh they maintain that people just still don't get it. Um, I would argue, no, we get it. We've seen secondary markets before. We see what happens in them. And NFTs have the unfortunate distinction of having existed as a speculative item from the beginning instead of something that we already had some sort of interest in association with some nostalgic connection to that would eventually allow it to blossom into a speculative market right we've seen it before with all forms of collectibles they are simply trying to put the cart before the horse here yeah they tried so hard to just force nfts to be a thing and we all know why it's because you need something for crypto to be a thing yeah they they were all in they were all heavily invested in crypto they needed to make crypto worth something so they tried to force its value and i'm so delighted to see it blow up the way it's been blowing up in their faces yep and in other nft news one of the 
very first NFT games to uh, connect itself with a major brand, F1 Delta Time. This is a, a racing game connected to Formula One. Right. It is closing. It is closing. And the reason that it's closing is because they no longer have the license. <laughs> oh. License is gone. They're unable to renew it. And so they're ceasing the game and offering replacement NFTs for some other game that is not their game to sort of loop people into some other horrible uh, NFT ecosystem. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. Yeah. Uh, yo, you didn't know this. This wasn't a scam. I promise this wasn't a scam. Here, come check out my friend's scam. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I, I, I hope to think that this shit's falling apart. And, and if, if we can just keep seeing more of this happen and keep pressure on that, we're not going to take it. Uh, maybe it, maybe they'll have to give up for a few years until they can convince us of it again in some other form. Yeah. It, it's actually stunned me how quickly NFTs have dropped off. It's surprising. Like, going from being, like, you know, they've fawned over on fucking Fallon, the celebrity endorsements, the threat that they're going to be in all our games. The Super Bowl commercials, for fuck's sake. The Super Bowl commercials. And yet, in the span of, I want to say, maybe two weeks, maybe even a week, I noticed NFT discussion just... Just went. Yeah. Just gone. Amazing. And and yeah. love to see it. Got a little, little positive news, maybe, to, to round us out. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not the best day to have made the announcement. On April 1st, it was revealed that Devolver Digital is going to publish a new Monkey Island game with uh, originating developer Ron Gilbert back at the helm hmm. uh, that's great i love monkey island this no, this makes me very yeah. very happy dave grossman is also back that makes me happy uh, i would i i'm i'm thrilled this is, just makes me happy to have uh ron gilbert be able to go back to monkey island because that's it always felt like a series that could have had more and was never in the right hands. Yeah. And it's my sincere hope that uh, that Gilbert gets to make uh, a uh, a really great third Monkey Island. Fucking a. Yeah. I played the cartoon one. Yeah. Uh, Escape from Monkey Island. No. Um, the, the the curse. The curse of Monkey Island. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and it was rough. Yeah. One and two are just top tier mm -hmm. LucasArts adventures. Even the chicken with the pulley. Love that chicken with the pulley. Oh. Uh, and then one just, just happy note, uh, I guess, because every once in a while, it's, it's nice to see the mainstream acknowledge video games exist, even at a sidelong glance at the Grammys. Did you watch the Grammys, Steph? Are you big on the Grammys? I'm not big on the Grammys, no. I, I don't watch award shows in general. Nope, me neither. No, I watched, the only bit of award show I've watched recently was Will Smith hitting Chris Rock. 
because everyone saw that. Oh, wow. Oh, we we were almost the only podcast on Earth that didn't discuss this. Yeah. And we're not discussing <laughs> it. I'm just saying I saw it. <laughs> because I, the day after, I thanked my Twitter followers profusely and sincerely for not one of them asking for my opinion on the Oscars. Oh, so good. Not planning to give one. Nope. I have nothing to say about that. No. But as someone who throws strikes for a living, got to admire his form. <laughs> you know, just as a pro wrestler, I admire the form. That was, it made contact, but it wasn't what we in the business would call a potato. <laughs> it was enough to get the job done. Now, let's continue. Yes. The Grammys. Well, at the Grammys, the award for best arrangement instrumental or acapella went to a song from Kirby. Wow. That's kind of fun. That is fun. Yeah, that, that's nice. Meta Knight's Revenge, as arranged by 8-Bit Big Band, which is a 30 to 65 member orchestra. Wow. Huh. That's a, a lot of people for that. That I, is a lot of people. I've never heard of 8-Bit Big Band. That's as many actual humans as bought Ubisoft Quartz. I mean, that's that might be as many actual humans as I know. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that if I thought about it, I might be able to come up with that many people that I know. <laughs> um, I listened to it. Oh, it's well a, done. Yeah, it's a fun little, fun little version of Meta Knight's Revenge. Um, it's nice that, uh, that, that some recognition of video game music as being music that can be appreciated outside of video game audiences is a is a good thing that makes me happy yeah 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 i think that's it for news yeah i think so i think we've done it wow well then um normally i would suggest that that um a certain member of the podcast let us know all of the great books and and things that she does you know laura k buzz everywhere on the internet is what she would say mm -hmm. she might mention uncomfortable labels uh, a book about being gay and trans and on the autistic spectrum, um, which is available in bookshops, or things I learned from Mario's butt, uh, which is also available in bookshops, uh, or the upcoming book, Who Hunts the Whale, uh, a, a satirical look at the game industry written by herself and her uh, wife, Jane, uh, or, you know, twitch.tv slash Laura K. Buzz, uh, Laura K. Buzz on Patreon, basically Laura K. Buzz everywhere. Um, but I can't do that, right. Conrad. Right. So instead, can't do that. I'm going to ask. What about you? Oh, well, I could be found at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you could watch me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I stream four days a week at a variety of times, so there might be one that fits you. Mm. Uh, you could also buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I produce at pinfiltruth.com, or you could buy audiobooks that I make at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fist shark and you know who else has a patreon who y you staff me you have a patreon yes you have a patreon <laughs> oh fucking hell oh god um yeah i guess i do um i've heard that it's at patreon.com slash jimquisition and that supports you know basically all the content uh, i also live stream at twitch tv slash jim sterling uh, i am also going to be appearing uh, on may 14th at the Anarchy Brew Co. 
uh, for the next North Wrestling show. We truly mean all the disrespect. Uh, Commander Sterling will be there. I will also be at the um, at 90 Effingham Road in Sheffield on May 29th for North's first touring show um, called Do You Remember the First Time? And that one's particularly um, meaningful to me because that takes place at the training facility uh, that I go to every week where I, I, I train under Liam Slater with Pursuit Pro Wrestling. So very exciting. If you can get to Newcastle and or Sheffield, do come by. Uh, the crowd is amazing and we have incredible evenings there. So I can't wait for that. Uh, and we will see you next week. Regardless, I hope you have a great time. Until then. Bye. Bye.